This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Amen. Praise God. Welcome all of those of you that are watching um, on the internet this evening. Glad you're here. Praise God. Hope you got a Bible there you can get a hold of and let's get into the Word of God together. We'll have a great time. How y'all doing tonight? Those of you that are actually present, hallelujah. Yeah, you know, this is the day the Lord's made, so we need to rejoice. We need to be glad in it, hallelujah. Sounds like maybe we're going to get some moisture tomorrow. Y'all excited about that? (laughs) You know, we need moisture. Yeah, probably your concern is the form in which it comes, right? Well, anyway, you know, we just have to... uh, kind of roll with it. You live in Iowa. Come on, man. You, know, you just got to gird up the loins of your mind. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's the way we roll here. You know, you could live in like Fargo, North Dakota or someplace and like, yeah. I remember years ago, I went up there one time, long story, but it was in the dead of winter and uh, I had a, a Datsun 280Z and uh, I went, this thing, you know, essentially they were a glorified sports car, but they were actually just a tin can. And uh, so anyway, I went up there, man, and I'm telling you, there was nothing I could do to get enough heat in that car. I froze in that thing. I thought, this is ungodly. (laughs) This whole country up here, I was never so glad to get further south. So I guess what I'm saying to you is just rejoice, all right? Hallelujah, it'll all be good. Y'all bring a Bible with you tonight? Let's open our Bibles together, the book of 1 John, chapter 4, first epistle of John, chapter 4. And uh, let me share some things with you tonight I think will be a blessing to you. Praise God. Yes, glory to God. Aren't you glad for the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, um, uh, when, uh, remember the book of Job, there were three guys that were, (laughs) they certainly weren't encouraging Job, you know. And then he had his wife that said, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, who needs a friend like that? I I mean, <laughs> Who needs the devil if you got somebody around like that? But anyway, so anyway, um, there was a man by the name of Elihu at the end of these three when they got done with their discussion. And um, he talked to Job about his situation. And he made this statement in Job 32 8. He said, But there is a spirit in man. There is a spirit in man. And the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? That the Spirit of God or the Spirit of the Almighty will give, you know, understanding to us. Now notice he said here, there is a spirit in man. And we've talked a lot about this, about the fact that you really are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Your soul is made up of your mind, will, and emotions, things of that nature. But the real you is spirit. Hallelujah. When you pass from this life to the next, your body will cease, you know, but you won't. Thank God. Everybody glad for that? No, we're going to go on living. Glory to God. We're going to be ushered into the presence of God for those of us that know him. And thank God we're going to be able to enjoy his blessing in our lives. Hallelujah. So when we're born again, when we become children of the Most High God, God intends for us to function from that new uh, birth reality. 
And so when it comes to our lives, it should be that the things that we're having to deal with, you know, again, that, that we're functioning from this new creation reality of being born of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And that keeps us out of trouble. I said that keeps us out of trouble. Now, of course, you have your flesh to tend with, you know, and you've got different forces, you know, things, the God of this world, live in a fallen world, there's things that are going on that aren't the best, and so on and so forth. And then you've got your feelings, you know, and how your emotions some kind, sometimes can dictate um, and lead us in directions that really are not profitable. You know, they're very, very unprofitable. Many times we make decisions and choices that later uh, cause actually a great deal of harm and things. So, but thank God when you become a child of God, you don't have to keep doing that. You can stop all that, amen, because of the one who indwells us. So I want to talk to you tonight about help from within. That's my, that's my message tonight, help from within. And I don't believe that we've yet plumbed the depths of what God has done for us in the new birth and being born again. And, you know, we talk about eternal life being, you know, salvation. And, and, th and, and obviously that's number one. We need to see that people get saved. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? And so thank God for that and thank God for the new birth. But again, we need to realize, and, and I guess I ask the question, have we really realized the strength, the power, and the ability of the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence. Jesus talked a lot about this. So did the Apostle Paul, other writers of the New Testament. You know, and, and we really need to get a, a, a better grip on this so that we can function again from this position or this place of being born of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. You know, I, I'm reminded all the time when Lazarus got sick, word came to Jesus. He was in another place, you know, on a uh, in a campaign of uh, ministry and things. And they said, you know, your friend Lazarus is sick. And he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Hallelujah. And so he went on, continued to minister there. You know, so much of the time when things come our way, we, we react instead of responding. And so in this situation, you know, it, the word came that this man was in a very critical condition or situation to where he was near death and things. But, but Jesus addressed it out of his spiritual being and said, it's not a sickness unto death, but for the glory of God. And so he remained there and continued ministering. And then uh, finally he told his disciples, he said, we're going back to the place where we'd come from. And they said, Lord, that's not a good idea. They tried to kill us back there. And he said, are there not 12 days, or 12 days, 12 hours in a day, if a man walks in the light? You know, so in other words, he was literally led by the Spirit of God back into this place where it was treacherous for him, and yet he raised Lazarus for the, from the dead, glory to God. And nobody touched him, hallelujah. And so what I'm saying to you, child of God, you say, well, that was Jesus. I'm telling you that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And that same spirit can lead and guide you. And he wants to with, with great uh, earnestness and, and desire. And so we just simply need, praise God, to learn how to follow the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? And it becomes important for us because, uh, well, if you don't, then you can miss out. 
So my point to that is, is there's a lot available to us that we've not yet even, maybe even scratched the surface with regard to what belongs to us. But I, I will say this, the key to successful Christian living is learning, learning how to cooperate with the Spirit of God and then walk in the light of the Word. Those two things go hand in hand, and we'll, we'll try to unpack that a little bit here. But, you know, <clears throat> so many of the answers that you and I are looking for are found within the Bible. I mean, you know, I mean, if we just read the Word, that would help us a lot. But sometimes we don't always recognize them, and we're not really, we're not doing them. For example, you know, Jesus said, I want to give you a new commandment, and that is that you love one another as I've loved you. Now, you could say, well, that's a tall order. And I guess in the natural, that'd be true. But thank God, because He dwells in us, we can sure enough do it. Amen? But we don't always do it. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? We get mad, we fuss, we fight, we kick, we bite, you know, we, we do all kinds of stuff and we do things contrary to what he told us to do. So what does that mean? That just simply means we're not practicing or doing the word. And it doesn't bring success, it brings failure. And so what we have to do is we have to ask ourselves, well, why is it that I'm, I'm not or practicing these things the way that I should. Well, a lot of times, you know, again, your flesh gets in the way. I mean, how many of you live in a fleshly body? How, how many of you like to, you know, kick the window out once in a while? Yeah, you know, things, you know, upset us. But what we have to do is we have to learn not to react, but to respond as he would have us to. Because so many of these things, oftentimes they do nothing but cause problems. You know, you're, during the holidays, you know, you'll be with family members, extended family and things of that nature, and you'll find out that they're not all thinking the same way that you do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, you're going to have to make a decision about how you're going to respond to whatever it is that they may think, feel, or talk about, or act, or behave like. Amen? Such a wonderful crowd here. Glory to God. Amen. So uh, we just need to, again, you know, learn to do this. But our flesh and our feelings tend to do the controlling in our lives instead of our spirit, instead of the real us, instead of our hearts. And that is so important. And thank God, like I said, it doesn't have to be that way with Christians like you and I, spirit-filled, believing Christians. But we can live free. We can live strong. We can live successfully as children of God. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? I mean, the thing about it is, let's just say this. You know, you're driving down the interstate and you want to go over to a certain place here. Well, if you want to, you can go drive into the opposing traffic because it would be a closer way to get there. Or you can go down the road where you're supposed to be and get off where you need to go and be able to do certain things, you know, and get to your destination without harm. But a lot of times in Christian life, we want to you know, drive cross grain across stuff. And guess what? It doesn't work. You, you run the risk of having real problems and, and, you know, and, and, and all of that could be avoided. Well, you know, I just don't have that kind of patience. Well, then praise God, believe God for it. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that the fruit of the spirit has patience. Isn't it in there? You know, the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, aren't there nine of them there? 
So instead of saying that you don't have it, you ought to say, yes, I do. I just need to practice it. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Glory to God. Amen. So notice our text here. Notice in 1 John chapter 4, uh, John is writing here in this uh, uh, epistle or letter. He said, Beloved, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Now, he's just talking about, you know, people who say things. You know, there are a lot of people who say things that are driven by the wrong spirit. Are you listening to me? They've been influenced by ungodly spirits. And so he's just saying, you need to test, you need to prove the things that you're being told. So he goes on in this verse then, he says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Hereby know we the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus, uh, uh, that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is uh, that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is even in the world. And we see that everywhere. You know, this whole wokeism and everything, man, it's right out of the pit of hell. Absolutely born of hell. And they want to silence, they want to stop, they want to bury anything that has godliness on, as a part of its expression. Are you listening to me? And yet a lot of people have been indoctrinated by it. They believe it's the biggest, newest, greatest thing. And I'm telling you what, it's going to destroy people's lives. They have no idea what it is that they're playing with, but it's more than just fire. So anyway, he said, you know, try the spirits, whether they be of God. Now notice this. <clears throat> it goes on then to say that the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. Verse 4, but you are of God. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Yes, but you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Hallelujah. Why? Why, John? Because greater, everybody say greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Greater, mightier, I believe the, the Amplified Bible says. Hallelujah. So greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, here's the question. Is that what we think? Is that what we believe? Is that the way we act? Or are, do we acquiesce? Do we, you know, cower? Do we, you know, act in a different kind of way other than what the Bible is telling us? Because again, the greater one's on the inside of you. I mean, when you get up in the morning, you got to look in the mirror and say, Father, I just thank you that you live in me. Hallelujah. And that we're going to have a great day and that you're going to lead me and guide me, direct me and show me what it is that I need to do. Glory to God. You sent Jesus so that I could win. And I'm telling you what, Lord, I'm going to do my best to walk in the light of what it is you've said. And I'm going to have what it is that you promised. Are you listening to me? Glory to God. So, again, he says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is what? In you. In you than he that is in the world. So, again, where is he? He's on the inside of us. And so what we need to do is we need to get acquainted with the one who lives within us 
and learn to follow the Spirit of God because as believers, we need to have confidence in the one who has come to indwell us. And when I say that, I'm saying, you know, the Bible says the Lord is on your side. He's for you. He's not against you in any way, shape, or form. Any kind of thought pattern that would give you the idea that God is not for you or on your side, that he doesn't have your interests at heart, that he doesn't want to put you over, that he doesn't want you to win or have good success, is a lie. Because I'm telling you, he demonstrated his love for us when he sent Christ so that, thank God, we could live. He's for us. Everybody say, the Lord is on my side. Yeah, he's for you. Hallelujah. And that's important for us to understand because everything in the world so many times, especially the God of this world, he will reason in your mind or at least attempt to say, you know, well, if God's really for you, then how come? And then he'll accentuate all the problems you're having. And he'll want to place the blame of that on your heavenly father as though if he were really a loving God, he would do something about this. But the truth of the matter is, is that God has already done what it is that he needs to do. You and I just need to learn what the word says, walk in the light of it, and then let the spirit of God lead us out of whatever it is that we're dealing with so that we can have good success. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. I'm telling you what, that right now, yeah, I'm good. Glory to God. Because it's so true that he wants to put you over in life. So we need to have confidence in the one who has come to indwell us. Look at a couple verses of scripture with me this evening. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 8, if you'd go over there with me. These aren't scriptures that you're unfamiliar with, but they bear repetition here. Romans chapter 8, hallelujah. Man, that blessed me. I'm going to have to go listen to that again. I think that was good. Don't you, Jeff? Yeah. The guy behind the camera is nodding. Yes. Now notice with me here uh, a couple of scriptures. Now, again, bear in mind the scripture that we had in our text. You are of God, little children, because greater is he that is in you. Everybody say, in me. Yeah, he's in you. Now, notice this scripture here in Romans chapter um, 8. Well, look at verse uh, 13 because it kind of complements what it is that we're talking about here. Wait a minute. Let's go back to 12. He says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. In other words, to allow your flesh to dominate or to control you. He says, we're no longer, domi- or no longer debtors to the flesh. Verse 13, for if you live after the flesh, or in other words, allow yourself to be controlled by it, you'll die. Okay? You see people all the time that allow their flesh to control them, so much so that they become ill health. You know, I'm, I mean, they become ill in their health because their flesh is controlling them. You know, my dad, when he was 59 years of age, died of cirrhosis of the liver because alcohol controlled his life. All of the decision-making processes of his life all revolved around that, and it destroyed his life. Are you listening to me? So the Bible says here in verse 13, if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you listen through the Spirit, glory to God, mortify the deeds of the flesh or body, you will live. How many of you want to live? 
So you got to mortify. What's that mean? You have to insist that rigor mortis set in, that it is dead. Hallelujah. Amen. But again, a lot of times people are dominated by their flesh. And, and, and the works of the flesh, the Bible says, are obvious. All right, in Galatians chapter 5, we won't take time, you can look it up yourself, but it just goes down a laundry list of different things about anger and bitterness and all these different kinds of things. They are the works of the flesh. But thank God again, when you read this scripture, we're no longer debtors to the flesh to live after it. Because if we do, we'll die. But if we, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the flesh, thank God we'll live. In other words, you just say, no, we ain't doing that no more. Because I've come to learn that I want life and life more abundant. I want to be successful in life as God intended. And I'm telling you what, I'm going to do what it is he's telling me to do. So if people want to fight, they're going to have to do it on their own. I'm not in. Huh? You know, my wife and I, over 40-some years, we've had marvelous opportunities to get into a fight. Huh? But I'm telling you what, love never fails. I said love never fails. And we've made it up in our minds and in our hearts, praise God, that we're not going to allow anything to keep us out of the love of God. Because that's where the blessing is. And I don't know about you, but I like being blessed. Amen? But if I get over in some kind of fight, I let some root of bitterness springing up, you know, within me, and thereby many in people end up being defiled, uh-uh, no siree, Bob. That is not an option. Hallelujah. But you have to, for your own sake, you have to will that you are not going to allow these things to take hold or become a seed within your life. You have to do it. God's not going to do it. You have to do it. Are you listening to me? Because if you don't, then you allow this whole thing to creep up on top of you and it'll just cave your life in. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Man, it's good anointing here. So, I'm trying to get to the verses that we want to read here. Verse 14. Notice what it says. For as many as are led by the what? Spirit. Yeah, the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit. Well, you know, that's a problem, Pastor. I mean, I, this whole being led by the Holy Ghost and led by God and all of that, I mean, this is a mystery to me. I can't hardly figure that out. Well, you know what? You might be a lot more closer to it than what you think. Amen? You know, the devil likes to confuse matters and things of that nature. But again, he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, you know, before you, you know, do anything, just ask yourself, well, what would God want me to do here? You know, what would the Spirit of God want me to do? Huh? Throw a brick through the window? What do you think? No, probably not. You know, have a harsh word instead of just a kind one? Or, or and have, instead of, you know, a harsh word, just not saying anything? Huh? <laughs> well, anyway. So again, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are actually in the Greek, that language, the, the word sons there means an adult an adult son of God. So in other words, you know, if we'll grow as God wants us to, how many of you know he doesn't want us to stay babies? 
But if we'll grow, praise God, we can become mature and adults and not fall into these traps. Now, when you're first saved and different things, or maybe you don't know or whatever, you know, that's a whole different story. You know, that's why God wants you to grow and get your mind renewed to the word so that, praise God, you don't end up having these kinds of pitfalls in your life. Now, notice it goes on then to say in verse 16, dropping down uh, to 16, It says the spirit itself, actually, he's not an it. He is a a divine personality. So we could say the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Hallelujah. That we are the sons of God or the children of God. So again, it says that the spirit of God bears witness with our spirits that we're the children of God. So in other words, I ask... uh, you know, I could ask uh, Yodi, I could say, well, how do you know you're even saved? He knows because of the indwelling presence of God bearing witness with his spirit that he's a child of God, that there is no more condemnation in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And that the guilt is gone. The blood has been applied. He's a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the spirit bears witness with us that we are the children of God. Aren't you glad for that tonight? So thank God, because we are, now remember, John said, you're of God, little children, hallelujah, and have overcome them because greater is he that again is in you than he that is in this world. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now let's look at another verse of Scripture. Turn over to 1 John, or back, I should say, chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, and notice verse 20. Hallelujah. Notice what it says in verse 20. But you have an unction. The King James uses the word unction. Yep. And uh, you have an unction from the Holy One, or we could say uh, you have an anointing from the Holy One. It's the same uh, Greek word. But again, it says you have this unction or you have this anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. In other words, because of his indwelling presence, dude, you got the mind of Christ. Are you listening to me? So there is a knowledge that you have. You may not know why you know, but you know. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? You know, and it goes on then and says a lot of other things here about fundamental doctrines and whatnot. But notice verse 27, but the anointing or that unction which you have received of him abides where? Where? It's on the inside of you. It's in you. Hallelujah. That anointing, he says, which you have received of him abides in you that you need not any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him or in it. Now, that's not to say that you don't need a teacher, you know, but you've got the teacher on the inside of you. You can sit there and you can listen to a message or some guy or gal or whoever preaching and they might say something, you know, that's not scriptural or whatever and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost on the inside of you go, I ain't right. And the reason you know it's not right is because it doesn't line up with the Word. The Spirit and the Word always agree. 
All right? You'll have somebody come along, you know, and they'll say something, you know, but it's not in the Bible. Well, you might as well just forget it. It's a bunch of junk. Oh, no. God told me. Well, I don't care what God you're, you're thinking that you heard, but if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not God. Am I in the right house? A lot of times we want to hear things a certain way because that's the way we want it. Thank you for your excitement there. Hallelujah. But we have an anointing or an unction from the Holy One, glory to God, which we have received of Him that abides in us, and we need not that anyone teach us, but that a same anointing teaches you in all things, and is truth and is no lie. You know, um, I can only use my own life, you know, but I've shared this before, but uh, when I got saved, I was saved, I think, the 27th day of August. I don't know that for sure. Probably ought to go back and look at what day that was. But anyway, I was, I was born again on the 27th day of August. I was 19 years old. And um, when I got saved, um, my life changed forever. Now, I was still hanging out with all the people that I had always hung out with, and, and uh, there was a group of us that, um, you know, here we are in August and September, October, we're gonna, you know, it's football season, and I belong to a football league, you know, or I was part of a team that was in this league, and we go play flag football, and, and, uh, and then afterwards, we'd go to a place uh, at the time called the Depot Lounge, because they were sponsoring us. So they'd sponsor us, and we'd go drink beer there, you know? And so after the game, we went there and we're sitting at the bar and different things, you know. And, and uh, now you got to understand, I'm, an, I'm a brand new Christian. I don't know anything about that book. All right. All I know is something has happened to me on the inside and I no longer want to participate in the unfruitful works of darkness. And that's not normal for me. Okay. So we're sitting at the bar, and again, you know, uh, I don't know anything about the Word really at all. But all of a sudden, I hear this on the inside of me. I heard this so much so I said it out loud. I heard the words, you don't belong here. And then I, I said it out loud. I said, I don't belong here. I don't know why I don't belong here, but I don't belong here, you know, because we were in the bar, you know, and everybody's drinking, partying, you know, and different things like that. And, um, and I just realized, I don't belong here. So I gave all the beers that I had to the guy that was sitting next to me, and I said, see you later. And I never went back again. Are you listening to me? Now, what if I hadn't listened? I could have pushed that down. I said, well, yeah, I do. You know, I'm part of the evening. No, there was something on the inside of me that made me to know I don't belong there. Now, you know, you'll, this is a funny thing about, you know, in Christianity and things like that, you'll have Christians, you know, that, you know, they like their social drinking and all this kind of business, you know. Dude, they are walking into a trap. And they say, well, you know, what's a little drink going to hurt? It's not going to hurt anything. I'm talking about the spirit that surrounds the whole mess. And you can say what you want about it, but I know that that's not a place that a child of God belongs. Are you listening to me? Now, I don't mind, you know, if I got to go through a bar to get to a restaurant or anything like that, or if I need to go in and talk to somebody, but I'm not going to camp out 
I'm not going to hang out. I'm not going to have any dealings with that kind of business because it doesn't do anything but kill, steal, and destroy people's lives. Are you with me? So anyway, he said, you don't belong there? And I said, okay, I'm out. Praise God. But he made me to know. Again, I didn't know anything about the Word of God, but the one who was in me said, this isn't where you belong. And so I just knew that, and I walked away, and that was the end of it. Now, I'll tell you another story. <laughs> doesn't shine so brightly on me. Talking about being led by the Holy Ghost and getting help from within. You know, that would have been in 1975. And so now, uh, Joan and I were married, and we've got at least one baby, maybe two. And... Uh, <clears throat> And we needed to trade cars. And, and again, I've told you this story before, but I fell in love with a 1981 Cutlass Supreme. This car was beautiful, but it had a diesel engine in it. And that all they'd done, General Motors had taken a 350 engine and converted it to diesel, and it was a piece of junk. It was worthless. I mean, that thing, I mean, well, it doesn't matter. So anyway, we're getting ready to uh, uh, do this car, and I love the car. I fall in love with it. Don't fall in love with no car, because you are bound to make stupid decisions, okay? And so we're talking about it, and, and Joan says, I just do not have a good feeling about this. Well, that's, ruining my, that's raining on my parade, Okay. And it isn't that she was opposed to the car, because after all, it really was a beautiful car. I mean, the interior and everything, I mean, it was awesome for the day, you know, and things like that. And, and she wouldn't go to town with me to buy it. And there's a long story to all that, and I don't need to humiliate myself in that whole thing, but she didn't go. I went and bought the car by myself, traded it, and you know, I brought it home, and it's wonderful, smells new, rides nice, you know, it's just the greatest thing since sliced cheese. And we got about, I don't know, I don't know, 10, 12, I don't even know if we got 10,000 miles on this thing, and we're in Dallas, Texas, going down a, a toll road at, I don't know what, what speed, fast, and all of a sudden this thing let out some god-awful, I don't know what, and I don't know, had we had problems with it already before that? Yeah, we, ha we had. As a matter of fact, we took it in. They had to redo the whole uh, uh, lower side of the engine because it had spun the bearings. It was just, it was, it was so wrong in what they did, okay? So anyway, we're down there, and this thing is, I, I can't even begin to explain to you what it did. But then it quit and kept running. And I looked at her, and she looked at me, and I said, when we get home, this thing is going. We're getting rid of it. So we went and traded the car. As a matter of fact, as it turned out, I went back to get some work done on the car we traded for, and they said, oh, yeah, you're the one that traded that Cutlass in, didn't you? I said, yeah. I said, why? They said, well, somebody wanted to take a look at it and drive it one time. We brought it up here to let it warm up so they could, it was probably cooler or whatever in the in a winter time and they they brought it up so it could warm up and they could drive it and it blew up I mean it just you know it was junk so why am I saying that because I should have listened to the Holy Ghost and my wife that's what I'm saying why? Again, she wasn't opposed to us having it and she enjoyed it. I mean, after all, once we got in this rig, man, dude, it was nice. But the reality is, is see, here's the thing. God was trying to keep us out of trouble and I didn't listen. 
Any of you ever been there before? Yeah. Man, you know, and so much of all of that could have been something that uh, we could have avoided if we would have just, or if I, I should, not we, I, uh, would have just listened. Are you with me? Praise God. Now let's look at another verse of Scripture. Let's go over here and take a look at what Jesus had to say. Turn to John's Gospel. John's Gospel. And you know, if, if we had time, I mean, we could probably go around the room and you could say, oh yeah, I got this time. I knew I shouldn't have whatever. Or, you know, sometime the Lord was saying, this is what I should do. You know, so on and so forth. Well, what is that? That's the Spirit. Aren't you glad He's merciful and forgiving? Thank God and His grace is sufficient to get us back on the road where we need to be. I sure am. Hallelujah. Amen. So I try not to make quite so many uh, mistakes now, you know, if possible. Notice what it says here. Uh, John chapter 14 in your Bibles there. Something Jesus said. He actually, if you, if you had time, 13, 14, 15, 16, uh, all of these chapters in here, uh, they're just chocked full of uh, just wonderful things that Jesus had to say about the new life that we would have in him and how we are to live and that the Holy Ghost will help us. Notice here, if you would, let's, uh, let's start with chapter 14, verse 15. If any man love me, um, <clears throat> if, if, if you love me, you should say, it's more personal than that. If, if you love me, keep my what? My commandments. And his commandment was, is that we love one another. If we just do that, then praise God, we'd be all right. Why? Because if you, if you walk in love, you're not going to lie about your neighbor. If you walk in love, you won't bear false witness, of course. And if you walk in love, you're not going to do anything to harm them. You're not going to do anything, you know, that would be damaging to them, so on and so forth. So he said, if you love me, then keep my word, keep my commandments. Notice this, he says, and I will pray or ask the Father and he will give you another comforter. Underline that. Another comforter. In other words, one of the same sort. It's the word paraclete, the word comforter there. And what that is, is it's one that is called alongside to help. The Holy Ghost wants to help us. Are you listening to me? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father. He'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you for how long? Forever. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to describe who that is, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive or accept, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him. Hallelujah. For he dwells with you, and he's going to be in you. Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. So he's come to indwell us. And again, he's come to help us. He's come to comfort us, to strengthen us, to be our intercessor, to be the one that puts us over, helps put us over in life. Hallelujah. To guide us in the way that we should go. Glory to God. So he said then in verse 18, finally, he said, I will not leave you without aid. Now the King James says comfortless. Uh, one translation says, I won't leave you an orphan, okay? Because these guys were, I mean, they're reeling at what it is that he's telling them, that he's departing and so on and so forth. They don't know what to do. He said, don't worry about it. I got something better. Hallelujah. He's not just going to be with you. I'm not just going to be with you. The Holy Spirit's going to be in you. Hallelujah. Just like me, one of the same sort. Now, notice if you go down in verse 21, he said, he that has my commandments, he keeps them. 
and, or I should say it this way, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. You know, people say, well, I love God. Well, do you do the word? Well, no. Well, then you don't love him. Okay? Our expression of love toward God is when we obey. Are you with me? So he said, if, he, if, you, if you love me, or he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Now notice what he said. He that loves me shall be loved to my father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. And then in verse 23, he explains how. He said to them, if a man love me, he's going to keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our home or our abode with him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And then in verse 26, and I'm, I'm just kind of bouncing around here. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, notice he says, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad for that? You know, there's one more verse there worth reading. It's not really within our subject, but it says, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Well, the only way you can do that is because of his indwelling presence. When you see everything that's going on, all these different th kinds of things, you know, what's that intended to do? It's intended to disturb your peace, <laughs> actually steal it. But thank God we don't have to let that happen, amen? I said we don't have to let that happen. We can just praise God, ignore what it is that the world is saying, and go on with what it is that God promised. Now look at the 16th chapter of John, and I'm just hitting some of these verses uh, with you so that we can uh, um, kind of cement these truths down in our heart. You can look at them and meditate on them. Think about them. Praise God. Go home, take these things home, and, and look at them. Notice the chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus is still talking. He said, how be, it, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Glory to God. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that will he speak and thank God he'll show you things to come. Glory to God. So I want you to notice particularly, he said, when the spirit of truth has come, he's going to guide you. So he'll lead us. He'll bring things to our remembrance. He'll guide us. He'll show us. I mean, how many of you have ever been talking to somebody and all of a sudden up out of your innermost being? I mean, you didn't think about it, didn't memorize it or anything. But all of a sudden a scripture will just kind of come floating up out of you and you'll share it with somebody. And you'll go, man, I didn't even know I knew that. Well, the reason you didn't know it is because you never memorized it or intentionally, but the one who is in you knows the Word of God, and all of a sudden, you're, you know, you know, blurting her out there going, wow, that's pretty cool. Well, it's the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? And praise God, He wants to help people, so He'll use you if you let Him. But the Comforter's been sent to provide help, and He does it from within, and that's what we need to understand. My help comes from within. When I'm in trouble, this is where I'm looking, okay? You know, I'm not looking out here. I'm not looking at what somebody else is saying. So many times we run all over the place, you know, looking for counsel from, sometimes I'm telling you what, it's right here is where you need to get it from. 
Are you listening to me? And that takes time. It takes prayer. It takes, you know, getting before God and, you know, waiting on the Lord a little bit to get the answer that you need. But I'm telling you what, he wants to give it to you. And the reality is that sometimes we got so many things going on in our brain, we couldn't hear the Holy Ghost if he stood up in a clown suit and said, hey, are you with me? So sometimes, praise God, we just need to be still and know that he's God. So again, he's been sent. The Holy Ghost has come and been sent to be a helper, to to provide what you need, and that comes from within. Glory to God forevermore. And I'm telling you, I, I said this earlier, but I mean, he wants to help you. He don't want to harm you. That's why all this doctrine, you know, about, you know, pushing all this stuff on God as being the one that causes calamity and problems and all the, you know, different things. Dude, it's from hell. That's not who he is. It's not his character. It's not his nature. You know, he gave us his son so that we could live, so that we could have life and life more abundant. But again, you know, sometimes we don't have our mind renewed to the word and all these different kinds of, you know, there's all this tension and turmoil and pulling and all these things, you know, and human reasoning. Now, wait a minute, you know, I don't know about all that, you know. And I tell you what, religion gets some of the goofiest ideas. And pretty soon people are, they don't know what they believe. They don't know what to believe. And they leave everything up to happenstance. You know, well, yeah, it must have been the will of God. Now, all of a sudden, their doctrine has moved over into this thing about fate. You know, well, it must have been what God wanted, you know, all this. There's a lot of stuff that happens in people's lives that is not God. Are you with me? But they don't know, they don't have another answer for it. So they just, you know, chalk it up as being, well, it must have been, must have been the will of God, you know, and so on and so forth. So... Why don't we just read the Bible and find out what the will of God is? Amen? And then walk in the light of that. Now, that may not be always met with a lot of, you know, goodwill, but praise God, you know. I'll say it again. God's on your side. He's not against you. He's for you. Praise God. More so probably than what we, you know, I'll give you an example. We got just a few more minutes. Turn over to 2 Chronicles um, chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Y'all glad you came tonight? Good. Notice what it says here. We don't have time, of course, you know, uh, to go through the whole story. You can read it, the whole 20th chapter here. Jehoshaphat was the king of uh, Judah and Jerusalem. And I think if I'm uh, correct about this, I think that there were uh, actually two different tribes of the 12 tribes that were living in Jehoshaphat was their king. And there were three or four kings that, um, you know, made this alliance and they were going to come against him and destroy him. And because of that, Jehoshaphat feared, the Bible says, not necessarily, well, he, he feared them, but he looked to God. And I want you to notice here, let's, uh, let's, um, let's start with uh, verse 5. Um, nope. Let's back up a little bit. Let's look at verse uh, 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all of Judea. Now, here's what I want you to see in this. This king is a smart king, okay? Because the thing is, is that he called on everyone to look to the Lord, He said, hit your knees, man, 
We got a deal going on. So when we get into those circumstances, and you got to understand, he's just going down the road of life just like all of us, minding his own business, doing what it is he does. And then all of a sudden, an evil report comes and says, hey, these guys have conspired against you and they're coming after you. And so he solicited the prayers of everyone about the situation that they were in. Verse 3 again, he said himself to seek the Lord, proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Now notice 4, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Look to the Lord. What's the point I want to make to you? You know, when you get into trouble, look to him. Look to the one that is on the inside of you. Look to the Word of God. I mean, pull her up, praise God, and say, listen, there ain't nothing more important than my finding the answer for the situation that I'm in right now. Are you listening to me? So notice it goes on then to say that he stood before the congregation of Judah um, and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he began to pray. And for the sake of time, we're going we're gonna to drop down to uh, verse 12. He says, Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? We have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Underline that. I'm telling you, praise God, you guys. Listen. This is what needs to happen when we get into a situation when we don't know what to do. We got to turn our eyes upon him, look to him so that he can speak to us about the situation that we're, we're in. Now notice 13, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. And then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, this guy, this guy, and this guy, the sons of A, the Spirit of God came in the midst of the congregation. So Jehaziel is a prophet, okay? And notice it says in 15, he said, hearken you Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord, don't be afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Glory to God forevermore. Doesn't that tell you that he's on your side? Doesn't that mean that, praise God, he wants to put you over? So when it comes, it's not from God. God has the answer. He's the one we're supposed to look to. And he gave them further instructions and what it is that they needed to do and so on and so forth. And as we, as we understand it, one of the things that's important here is to understand verse 20. They rose early in the morning, went forth as they had been instructed. And Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of uh, Jerusalem. Listen, believe. Everybody say believe. believe. Believe in the Lord your God. Hallelujah. And so shall you prosper or I should say, be established, believe also his prophets, and you will prosper. This, this story is huge. It, it serves as a template for us to be able to deal with the affairs of life. When something comes against us, we can use this pattern or this template, and we can say, God, we don't know what to do. You gotta show us what to do, and we can wait on the Lord until he speaks to us. Now, he spoke to the prophet in the Old Testament, but you got the greater one on the inside of you who can speak to you. Are you listening to me? So, I mean, it's, it's rich. With, with all kinds of information about what it is that needs to be done. And we wait until we hear. 
Glory to God forevermore. Interestingly enough, you know, praise God, the first thing they did, he said, the, the battle's not yours, but the Lord. And they sent the praisers out. Come on. You know, what, what, what might that mean for you and I? When the enemy, you know, the Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. And so I tell you what, praise God, when trouble or whatever comes your way or this funk or this weight or whatever comes, I mean, the best thing you can do is lift your hands and say, hey, we're going to have a praise break and we're going to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God is still God in our lives and he's going to do amazing things because of the greater one that is on the inside of me. Hallelujah. Why? Because we're winners. That's why he made us more than conquerors through him that loved us. So we're going to live that way. Can you say amen? amen? Come on. And so it's important for us, you know, in these, in these times, you know, and you say, yeah, but pastor, could you, could, could you come over when I'm feeling this way? No, glory to God, you don't need me. You got him. Come on, stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Yeah, but you seem to be convinced and I'm not. I'll guarantee you there's times when I ain't convinced either, but thank God I am not moved by the way I feel. I'm not moved by the way things look. I'm not moved by anything but what he promised. And if we'll do these things then praise God, we can get the victory. We can have the wisdom of God and have his mind and his ability and he'll begin to move. Why? Because we believe in the Lord our God and we're gonna be established and we believe his prophets and we're gonna prosper. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Well, we're, how do you unhook from all this? Hallelujah. Y'all doing all right? Let's, let's push the envelope here a little bit. How many of you seen Maverick Top Gun? And he went to, you know, Mach 10, and they said, just a little bit further. That's what we're going to do right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So under the new covenant, we can look to the greater one within us, and from within will come guidance or the guidance that we need. But we need to learn, listen, you need to learn, as, uh, you need to, learn to go as much by what the Lord doesn't say as what he does. Okay? In other words, I guess you could say, uh, you know, if, if you don't have a word from God, just keep get, get going. Move. Are you with me? I use this example, you know, in the summer of 1978, um, Joan and I had just got back from school and graduated from one year of being at Raymond. And uh, we picked up a Bible study that we uh, had let somebody else uh, care for when we went to uh, uh, Bible college. And so we had that. And then, and then I took two jobs. Because when we were down in Tulsa, I don't have time to get into that. We were just dirt poor. We didn't have nothing, you know. So I worked for my brother-in-law from 6 till 2.30. And then after that, I, I started painting houses, you know, because I could do that. I could make more money because I could do it per job, you know, and so much a square foot is what I charged and so on and so forth. So, so I was after it because uh, I had, you know, uh, Brian was here and, and uh, we had uh, a lot going on. You know, especially when, you, you know, we had uh, been so lean uh, for those nine months that we were down there and didn't, we got back, we didn't have anything. So you go to work 
Amen? That doesn't really fit into the wokeism either, but let me tell you, if you don't work, you don't eat. Uh huh. So we went to work, and I, I had a couple jobs. Well, on one of the jobs, I've told this story before. I was up on a ladder, and I was painting this house, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, I didn't call you to paint houses. I called you to preach my word. And so, um, of course, I knew that. But, you know, I'm just doing what I know to do. I'm talking about I go by as much about what he doesn't say as what he does say. So I'm up on this ladder because I'm trying to make a living for my family. You've got to work. You understand where I'm coming from? Well, I got down off the ladder. I went out into the driveway by the car that I had there, you know, and, and, um, and I just uh, I had a conversation with him. And I said, Lord, I know that you've called me to preach the gospel. But, you know, I gotta, I'm doing what I know to do and so on and so forth. But I, I can't, there's an altar in this driveway. Nobody else knows it's there but me. And I consecrated and dedicated. I said, you, you lead me, you tell me what to do, and I'll do it. This would have been in probably, I don't know, July, August, maybe, of, of the year of 1978. And so um, there were a lot of good things that were going on. People were getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and so on and so forth. And, uh, um, but we were lacking as far as spirit-filled uh, ministry was concerned in terms of anything close by that led us in that direction. Well, so um, in November, about the 15th of November, while I was praying and, and uh, the Lord spoke to us, really the two of us, that I want you to start a church. So I said, sure enough, yeah, we'll do that. So, but, but here's the point that I want to make. I'm up there painting a house. I didn't quit painting houses. I kept doing what it is that I needed to do, but I'm looking to the Lord all the time. And when he said, this is what I want you to do, of course, you know, in the wintertime, you can't paint houses anyway. But, you know, you understand where I'm coming from. In other words, you know, do whatever it is that your hand can find to do and let him guide you, you know, uh, as you go forward in that. Does that make sense to you? Because the, uh, the truth is, you know, um, when, he, when he said, I didn't call you to paint houses, I called you to preach the word. I didn't know what that looked like. I mean, dude, I didn't know anything. I had nine months of theology or doctrine, and that was it. And so you're talking about, you know, something being very lean. So I didn't know what it looked like. So I, I kept doing what I knew to do until additional guidance came my way. And then March of the next year in 79, um, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go full time into the ministry. We had this little small congregation, man. I mean, it wasn't that many people or anything of that nature. And, um, and so I told everybody that's what I was going to do. And thank God I told them because the ne that next week I was working for my brother-in-law. They closed the plant that we were working and I didn't have a job. But I had already, you know, made my commitment. That, you know, God knows a whole lot more about what's going on in our lives than we do. Amen. Well, so what did that do? Well, it held me steady because I'd already committed to what it is he'd spoke to me on the inside. Are you with me? And so these are the ways, and I wish we had more time, praise God. But, you know, uh, <laughs> before that, I'd already gone through the lunacy of, well, I'm just waiting on God. You know, I'm just believing God. And I'll tell you, the only thing that was showing up was bills. Are you with me? And I don't have time to get into that. But, you know, the reality is, is that we, does this make sense to you? God wants to put you over. Hallelujah. And so, you know, if there's something that isn't quite right, glory to God, let's ask the Lord. Lord, where, where am I missing it here? Because the problem's not with him. 
and he will always lead you in the way of peace. I could, I could talk to you about that for a long time. Hallelujah. See, the devil pushes. The, he's the one that says, you need to buy this car, man. This thing is, I mean, wow, this is the deal right here, right now. You know, you know how it is? People, they'll always push. Why? Because they don't want you to get away. They want, you know, my wife and I, when she started learning how to play the piano in front of our congregation, we needed a piano. And we went to this place in Omaha, and they were telling us about these pianos. We looked them all over, and you know, you got to understand. I mean, uh, let's see, that would have made us, uh, you know, four months into this whole deal, we didn't have a whole lot of nothing really, you know. And this thing, I remember, we landed on a Kimball, you know, upright uh, uh, piano. Still got the thing, don't we? Yeah, and. Uh, um, it was $1,395. Now, right now, that doesn't sound like a big deal. But back then, dude, it might as well have been $100,000, $100, you know what I'm saying? And so these guys, they're pushing on us. And we're young, you know, I'm 22, 23, you know, and they're pushing on us to buy this thing. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, my wife and I, we're going to go home. We're going to pray about it. When I said that, you, I could have, I could have, you would have thought that I had hit this guy with a brick. You know, you're going to what? I'm going to go home and pray about it. You know, so we went home, we prayed, we caught hands and prayed, say, Lord, how do you want us to do this? And he told us, he said, you know, you, you put down $395 and you finance the rest of it and it'll all work out just great. And I'll take care of you. And so that's what we did. And I tell you what, that was the easiest thousand bucks I ever paid off in my life. Are you listening to me? And see, that's the way that God will lead us if we'll learn. Are you with me? How many of you believe that? How many of you are still wondering? How many of you are not sure? Well, never mind. I know you believe it. Praise God. Let's stand. I got to quit. I could go on and talk about all kinds of stuff. One thing I do want to do, let's close our eyes and bow our heads for just a moment. Um, I want to ask you this evening, you know, okay, we've talked about all of this stuff, so I want to ask you tonight, what is it you need to offload? In other words, you know, what do you need to dump? Um, <clears throat> um, you know, they talk about data dumps and things like that, you know, but what is it you need to get off of you? Sometimes, you know, we, 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 we live under this um, uh, pressure um, and... Um, I just believe, praise God, well, first of all, it's not the way that God intended for you to live. So I just want you to, you say, yeah, but I'm troubled about this, and I'm concerned about that, and, you know, I've got this other thing. Well, praise God, listen, tonight, let's let that thing go. Let's look to the Lord and say, Father God, I just want to thank you, praise God, that you are my Lord and Savior. And that, praise God, you have an answer for what it is that I'm facing, the things I'm dealing with, and the troubles that are in my life. And Father, you said that you would lead me, you said you would guide me, and you said, Father, that you would show me things to come. So I'm just gonna look to you, glory to God. Hallelujah, thank you, Father. Let me lead you in this simple prayer tonight. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight and I thank you for how much you love me. And I look to you tonight with my life and I give all my care, I cast it all onto you tonight. Lead me, Lord, guide me, show me what I need to know. 
And I just thank you for your grace in my life. Lord, tonight I believe that you will do just what you said. I believe your promises and I believe you're on my side. So thank you, Lord, for your blessing in my life. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. We're grateful, Father, that we can trust you. We thank you, Lord God, there is wisdom from heaven for every circumstance we have. Thank you, Lord God, for your blessing in our lives. Lead, guide, direct us, show us the way in which you'd have us to go. And Father God, we thank you for your blessing and grace. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, you may be seated.